Hello, everyone, and welcome to a very special edition of the Then Again podcast. You may have noticed when you downloaded this beauty that this is episode 100. We have done 100 episodes, and we never thought we would get this far, thanks to you, the listeners. But to celebrate this very special episode, we have with us one of Gainesville's treasures, Mr. Johnny Vardaman, who was at the Gainesville Times for years, but starting then began a history column that has become, I think, in my personal opinion, of course, probably the best part of the newspaper. So welcome, Johnny. Thank you very much. I'm honored to be here with you on your 100th. <laughs> so tell us uh, just a little bit about your time at the Times and, and how you got into writing this this history column. Well, I, I started at the Times uh, in 1957 uh, after a couple of years uh, in the newspaper business uh, elsewhere, and then uh, advanced on up to editing positions, uh, reported for a while, and then got into editing positions and was managing editor for many years up until uh, about 1990. They named me editor, and I retired as editor in 1998. How did you start finding the time, or, or I, I guess the question is, how did they drag you back in after retirement to, to write some of these these local history articles? Well, I had been writing a column for the paper while, uh, while I was uh, still active at the paper, and I retired in the middle of uh, 1998, and I told them I would continue to write a column through the end of the year. But I was writing mostly on local issues and sometimes personalities, but not much on local history. But then I started writing on local history, and and uh, I got so much positive feedback from it that I just kept writing it, and the Times wanted me to continue to write it. And so that's, that's how it evolved, and most of my columns now are about local history. Well, you, having been in this area for so long— You've experienced a lot of that history yourself, which I think helps when you get those articles, the, the column together, right? That's right. And uh, a lot of people feed me ideas all the time. I'll write about one local history subject, and then that will remind somebody of something else, and they'll call me and, and ask me to do something on, on that. And, and then I'll talk to a lot of the longtime residents here who, who really have a lot of local history stories to tell. Some of you may be aware that we have recently acquired the N.C. White collection of, of glass plate and nitrate negatives, and Johnny's a treasure because you actually knew them, right? You, you knew about the photography studio and you visited. Right. I knew him uh, not very well, but uh, when I first started working in the newspaper business, I worked at the Gainesville News, whose offices were on Main Street across from the Collegiate Grill. And uh, Mr. White's uh, studio was just uh, a couple of doors down from the Gainesville News. And so that's how I got to know him, although I didn't know him very well. But uh, I knew him and I knew of his work. Sometimes his work would be used in the Gainesville News. And folks, just for the record, the uh, the Collegiate Grill is still there, still making hamburgers. Right, right. <laughs> have you done a column on the on the on the Collegiate Grill? I have. I've, I've I've done a column on it and mentioned it a couple of times because the Collegiate Grill, 
the most famous people that worked there were the Browns, George and George Brown and his wife. They were just kind of legends. They were very good people and very good characters. And so they, we had a lot of memories about the Collegiate Grill and the Browns. You've done so many columns about so many aspects of local history. Do you have any adventure stories to tell about research, trying to find where a road is or, or what's down a holler for a column and, I don't know, getting dogs or police or something called on you for trespass? <laughs> <laughs> I don't really recall any times I've been uh, trespassing, but uh, it has been difficult, and you run into dead ends sometimes trying to uh, discover something or track down something that people have told you about, maybe uh, a lost cemetery or something. And I've had people take me to old abandoned cemeteries, and there's a lot of, lot of history in, in those, but... Uh, Mostly where I get a lot of my material is people will tell me about something that happened in certain such a year, and so I'll try to find that in that particular thing in an old newspaper. I read a lot of old newspapers. That's a good source for my, my columns. Do you, ever, uh, are, do you ever find any editing errors that you wish you could go back in time and fix? Oh, of course you do. <laughs> You see, you see er- errors by other people, but in reading some of the the articles in some of the papers that uh, I was involved with, you see things that you wish had not happened or wish you could correct. There, there's some. I think there's some larger philosophical argument to be made there, but we'll move on from, from that. <laughs> so, you having been here in Gainesville for so long. Uh, and seen these changes. Lots of, lots of people have lived here and seen the changes. But I think you have a unique perspective because you, you do research and, and work on these, these columns about local history. So I think it gives you a much more insightful view of the changes that have happened here locally. Can, can you speak to what those changes are like for someone who studied it, what you see, what you like, what you don't like? I know that's a huge question, but well, of course, uh, people have asked me from time to time, what do they think is the most important part of all counties' history or Northeast Georgia's history? And, and there are a lot of milestones. Um, Lake Lanier comes to mind first because it has had such a big impact, but I was able to watch that and cover the story when the river was dammed up, Chattahoochee and Chesty rivers were dammed up, and see the lake rise uh, and uh, the rivers go out of their banks and f- to form this big lake, and then to see all the development around it, and it's still happening, and that's the thing about it, the uh, lake filled up in the mid-1950s, but we're still seeing the impact of, of uh, what Lake Lanier has has uh, brought about. And then another thing I would say is the poultry industry, how in the 1950s, I mean, actually, Hall County has been a poultry-producing area for a long time. Even back in the early 1900s, it was known as a place to buy and sell chickens. But uh, the uh, poultry industry really didn't boom until in the 1950s then. And uh, everywhere you go now, you see evidence of that. And people know Gainesville as the poultry capital of the world, so 
that has brought about all kinds of industry and brought about a lot of jobs. It's brought a lot of uh, local identity, too. We have, you know, uh, we have a statue of a chicken, uh, the, the statue to poultry that's, that's just off of one of our main streets. We have the main, well, one of the main drags through town named for Jesse Jewell. Now, did you ever meet Jesse Jewell? Oh, yes. Tell us a little bit about him. He's, he's, he's sort of become this local legend, but, but latecomers and like me, we only see his picture. We don't know that much about the man. Well, he was, uh, he was very visionary. Of course, he had to be to, to see things uh, in the poultry industry that other people had not yet discovered in, in the scene. And his methods of uh, raising poultry and processing poultry have been adopted. And that's, that's why all over the southeast particularly, but in other areas too, but that's why the uh, poultry industry spread throughout the southeast was his beginning, his innovations uh, here in, in Gainesville. He was a family man too. He uh, raised a good family of people that went on and made names for themselves. And uh, he was a philanthropist. He was particularly good to Bernal University. It was Bernal College at that time. But he, he shared his uh, blessings with uh, other people in the community. I think that's a very good point because there, today there is no direct descendant, I don't think, of, of Jesse Jewell's poultry empire. It, it has become disseminated because he helped so many other people build so many other companies, right? That's right, yeah. The, um, the poultry industry spread, and of course his was the first big processor here, and then other other people got into processing build business, and of course the farmers um, all over Hall County in North Georgia uh, began raising chickens. A lot of them had been raising just crops, corn and cotton. It was uh, it took less space, still a lot of hard work. But it took less less space and uh, less risk, really, to to raise the chickens for the processing plants. Well, so we've talked about the lake. We've talked about the poultry industry, and and something I want to ask you, and this this is coming out of left field, but I know that in all towns, transportation plays a huge role, and they put an interstate. They put 985 when they were planning it. They wanted to kind of come close to Gainesville, right? And there was a very purposeful effort by the city fathers and, and business leaders to bring it as close to Gainesville as possible. That's right. Well, of course, uh, there was a big controversy about the location of Interstate 85, which uh, goes down around Brazelton. Originally, it was planned to come very close to Gainesville, the, the big interstate, Interstate 85. But uh, Governor Ernest Vanderbilt at the time changed the route to go closer to his hometown of Livonia, and he justified that by drawing a line on the map and saying it was a straight line from Atlanta to Greenville, South Carolina, and Livonia was on that straight line. But the people in Gainesville, Kenee, and Tacoa protested about that because originally Interstate 85 was to go by close to those three towns. Well, it didn't happen, of course, and then uh, when Governor Carl Sanders was in office. He was very close to some Gainesville people, including the Dunlap family. And so he 
provided for Interstate 985 to branch off 85 and come directly to Gainesville. And, of course, three, Georgia 365 is an extension of 985, and it goes up by Canadian to Core. So what you're telling me is that where someone lives and grew up can have a huge influence over state and even national politics. That's that's true, and 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 you're talking about transportation. I-985 has meant a lot to uh, Gainesville and Hall County, and and the extension 365 on up to into Havisham and Stevens counties. Backing up a little bit too, of course, one of the big things. And tell me, this is what I tell people when they come to the museum a lot of times. So back me up on this or tell me that I'm wrong. I'll be interested to hear your take on it. The, the real thing that made Gainesville the center of northeast Georgia is when that railroad came in 1871. Is that, would, you, would you say that's an accurate statement? I would say it's an accurate statement because you can look at the map and where the railroad didn't come, those towns uh, didn't develop as fast as Gainesville and other cities on, along the railroad route. Because once that railroad comes, uh, well, Bernal, a, univ- a college, a women's college, opens just a few years after that. Markets start to come you know, about. People are able to, to ship their goods down closer to Atlanta. They're able to bring up nicer goods. Banks open to store people's money. So it's a, the railroad coming sort of makes Gainesville. It did. And, and you know, uh, off of that main railroad, then other railroads began, the Gainesville Midland and the Gainesville Northwestern, the Gainesville Jefferson, and Southern. So, and of course, uh, those railroads are not in existence now. Uh, the Gainesville Midland still runs from Gainesville to Athens, but uh, the other two uh, fell by the wayside. But the railroad was a big, big thing then. The, uh, the story of Gainesville and Hall County is one, of course, of changing demographics. And we've seen that a lot. It, it happened in the, in the 19th century when African-Americans began to come here in the early 20th century. And then more recently, well, I say that, cosmologically it's recent, but it's been decades and decades since a, a large Latino population has sort of made Gainesville home. Can you speak to how, you know, how that came to be and, and how that has changed uh, and improved our culture here, our, our, our sense of what Gainesville and Hall County is? Well, again, one of the big factors is the poultry industry. The uh, poultry industry needed workers, and uh, a lot of people didn't like to work in the poultry plants, but the immigrants coming to, come to Gainesville, they were looking for work, and they, they wanted to work at any job. And so uh, they felt they filled a need here, and then of course they branched off into other types of jobs, and, and a lot of them have established their own businesses here. And there there are large areas in Gainesville now that are that are very Hispanic driven. The the businesses, the economy, everything. So it, it's really neat to have seen them build their community in this area. That's right. Particularly, you go out Atlanta Highway is is a prime ex- example. The old Atlanta Highway. That's a, a big Hispanic business district now, and and uh, off of that area, a lot of lot of residential areas that are primarily Latino. Tell me a little bit about when you were still the editor of the newspaper. Of course, we're in a we're in a, here in 2022. We're in a different world. Of, of sharing news and and stories and things like that but but at your at your time at the, the your time at the times when it was the heyday of how people got their news tell me just a little bit about what it felt like knowing how important a role you and your team played in the community 
Well, you felt a great responsibility because uh, you were the primary source of, of news at, at that time around. I mean, the, the radio, st- some of the radio stations had news uh, employees, and but uh, people looked to the paper for their primary source of news and sports and county commission meetings and city commission meetings, which the newspaper still covers today. But uh, at that time, they, everybody looked to it to the uh, newspaper for their news. And we, at the time, we were trying to serve all of Northeast Georgia, at least the counties surrounding Hall County. And so those, the people living in those areas also looked to the Times for their daily news. They might have had weekly newspapers, but they looked for the Times uh, for for so-called breaking news at that time. And of course, the the newspaper today, the Times today, well, had to had to cut that back because it became so expensive, and there were other news, there were other sources of news on the internet and elsewhere that came about. I still personally think that the the Gainesville Times does a remarkable job because I love reading history books and I love reading big, gigantic, overarching themes of history. But when I really start thinking about history and thinking about what it means to live somewhere, me as an individual and the people that I know, everything starts to come local, right? And that, and so I start to enjoy local history, and I therefore understand what an important role local news media, whether it's newspapers or whether they do it online, has played and continues to play in a community sense of itself, right? They say, you know, they say all politics is local, but I think all history and all news really is local too. We may be reading news stories about taxes on Capitol Hill and things, but when you, when the, like the work you've done, when you look at that local news, that's kind of really what matters to you. Those are the people you know. Those are the, the ordinances that are going to pass that make the biggest difference. Do you, do you feel the same way about that? I, I do. Even though the Times has a print edition only twice a week, they still have their online presence every day. And I think they do a good job. They have a good staff, and they they bring home news. Maybe this happening nationally or statewide. They bring home the idea of how it affects you personally at home, and uh, that's I think they do a good job of that. Well, when you're not writing about local news, or or going off into into search for lost houses or or cemeteries or something like that, what do you like? What, what do you read for pleasure? Do you still read history books for pleasure? Do you check out all the news? What, what does Johnny do on his spare time? Well, I do a lot of reading, and, and I, I do like historical novels or nonfiction history. Lately, I've been on this kick about reading stories about World War II because my brother was, uh, he was in a B-24 during World War II, and a lot of it is very interesting to me. And then I play golf a little bit. But reading is reading takes up a lot of my time, and I get on the internet and look up, do some research for my columns. We keep, we keep busy, and I try to I try to do a little walking. I used to hike a lot, but I just call that walking now rather than, <laughs> rather than hiking because it has to be pretty level for me to walk as much as I used to. Well, Mr. Vardaman, I have to tell you that that sounds pretty dreamy to me. If, if my retirement's anything like yours, I think I'm going to have a pretty good time whenever that happens. Well, thank you. <laughs> that, I think, is all the time we have today. Uh, I want to give a special thanks to, to Johnny for joining us for this special 100th podcast. 
I can't think of anybody else I'd rather have here with us. Well, thank you very much, and I'm I'm glad to be here, and I and I just want to put in the plug for y'all. I think the History Center does a great job of, of presenting history uh, to Northeast Georgia. Thank you, sir. Then Again is a production of the Cottrell Digital Studio at the Northeast Georgia History Center. Be sure to subscribe and leave us a review. It really helps other people discover the show. There are a few great ways to support the History Center. Make a donation online by clicking the Donate button on our website at www.negahc.org. Become a digital member to receive exclusive invites to members-only live streams every Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern. And you can register on our membership page at www.negahc.org. We also have an online gift shop with lots of great items for all ages. Use promo code THENAGAIN for 15% off your online order. Valid on anything except memberships and handmade items. We'll see you next week for another episode of Then Again. Thanks, y'all.